Hello everybody to the I say Nate's first podcast. Uh, I'm Irvin Hernandez, the the pre- student president of Nate and the host of this podcast. And my guest today is uh, Blaine Barn from Tundra. How are you doing, Blaine? I'm good. How are you? Uh. Man, I'm I'm kind of nervous at the moment, but I'm actually really excited to do this first podcast, an actual professional podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I'm nervous as well. I think everybody <laughs> that uh, tuned in a little early saw that. So, yeah, good. And so uh, this podcast basically is we're not just focusing on ISA, but we're just focusing on the people who work in ISA, in the sense that. Uh, we want to get to know ISA better. And since it's a tumultuous situation, why not do it in a podcast form? Makes sense. It's the way uh, it's the way the last six months have been, so why not? I'm glad to see you guys taking the initiative. It's excellent to see a student section <laughs> that's, that's doing what you guys are doing. And so, uh, so I have a series of questions to ask you, and oh, later on we're gonna ask some people from the uh, audience we have at at this call and they can also ask some questions uh, about you or even the ISA in general. So actually, Blaine, what is your position? Ooh, uh, well right now I'm sitting. (laughs) 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 Are we all are? See, somebody got that. There we go. There was a uh, hands uh, clap emoji. This is excellent. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so I guess in terms of uh, ISA or what I do for work or what. Uh, uh, well, why not introduce yourself? Actually, why don't you awesome. introduce yourself? All right. Well, my name is Blaine Blaine Barnes. Uh, I work for a company called Tundra Process Solutions. So we are a company that provides industrial process technologies throughout Western Canada. We started out as a measurement company, essentially instrumentation, uh, and then we've morphed over the years into all kinds of other stuff, control and valves and motors and drives and all kinds of fun industrial equipment, even big boilers the size of a building. Uh, so, so my life revolves around the service and the supply and the support of industry in Western Canada. Um, I'm an instrumentation uh, technologist, that's my background, uh, same as as many of the folks that are on this call right now on the program that they're in and we can get into that more a little bit later as well and I've been an ISA member for a couple decades now two decades so I'm a senior ISA member and uh, and I worked with the ISA board in Edmonton and I've worked with the ISA uh, geographic assembly which I can tell you about uh, in a little bit as well so sort of the international component of the organization and uh, and it's a volunteer group so I am I am your atypical or stereotypical uh, instrumentation measurement uh, keener is maybe a good way to put it. I enjoy That's a nice reading tax manuals for fun. So yeah, that's me. So then, uh, can you go in details of your education? Then you said you are from an instrument instrumentation program. Which one? I don't want to tell you in case you kick me off. Uh, I mean. We're all friends here. <laughs> and uh, by... So I, I actually grew up, I grew up in Calgary. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I grew up in Calgary. Uh, 
I did the instrumentation program approximately 20 years ago, so I did the instrument engineering technology program uh, at SAIT. And uh, after I did the technology program, I worked for a producer, an oil and gas producer, and I got a little bit of field time there as well, and I got my journeyman instrumentation uh, ticket as well. So I did the, the technology program, and then I also went the field route and got some hands-on experience there. Um, so that's my background. My background is instrumentation. I moved to Edmonton approximately 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago. And uh, I said I'd stay for five years and I'm still here. So it's, it's awesome. I love, the, uh, I love the area. I love the city. Uh, I love Nate. I, I love supporting the Nate program. I've gotten to know individuals that I consider to be friends uh, that work at Nate and that have gone through the Nate program. And and folks that also now volunteer on the ISA board in Edmonton, uh, Nate graduates. So uh, absolutely love the program. It's a world-class school and a world-class program. And uh, and so don't hold it against me that I went to SAID. So. <laughs> uh, speaking of it anyways, but uh, in your opinion then, what do you think of the difference between Nate and SAID? As they both have instrumentation, but my experience when I went to the SAID games is a little bit different from what we learned in Nate. So in your experience, what, what's the difference? You know, years ago, uh, I would say that there was a much more significant difference than there is now. Uh, years ago, when Field Bus first came out, for example, Sade had a brand new Field Bus lab mm -hmm. uh, and Nate did not. Nate had a, a fantastic hands-on laboratory. Uh, and, and it was interesting, I would say that Nate had had a better lab at the time for people to get in and play and tinker and uh, and say had a, had a more extensive sort of programming and, uh, and theory and, and field bus type lab stuff like that but nowadays uh, both are absolute world-class institutions i don't think that there's an institution anywhere uh, that can hold anything against nate uh, or sate at this time and i would say they're very comparable they really are excellent institutions Obviously, Nate is putting out some fantastic students, and uh, the instructors and staff and ISA members at Nate are are uh, are the best bar none. So, and hopefully so, this is and so, it's, <laughs> and uh, speaking of memorable moments, memorable events, and uh, Sate, what is the most memorable thing that uh, that you've gone through in the instrumentation program? Then, oh wow. Um, you know, that's that's an interesting question. I don't know if, if this is uh, the answer that you're expecting, but uh, 20 years ago, I was a part of the instrument team, the ISA Instrumentation International Games team. Mm -hmm. And the International Games used to follow around a massive ISA trade show that took place. It alternated between cities. I think it was Chicago and Houston and New Orleans. Uh, I was at the International Student Games in Houston when 9-11 hit. Ooh. And uh, and that is the most memorable moment. So it's not the most cheery of moments. Um, that was that was, you know, that was that was a horrible day. Uh, we had we had worked for a year leading up to that as a part of an instrumentation team, a core group of folks, and uh, and we were so excited. We worked all year towards getting to those games, and and uh, and we finally got down there, and and that happened. And all of a sudden, you realize how how all the little things, um, you know, they don't matter anymore. It's all about the people and stuff. So, so not to put a damper on the session, but that was the most memorable uh, instrumentation moment for me, uh, was traveling down there with the team. It was fantastic uh, until uh, the second day on the 11th. 
and that mm -hmm. was uh, that was a horrible day. But uh, but other than that, I had great experiences. I, I really enjoyed the program. I enjoyed the learning. I consider instrumentation to be one of those programs where where you really learn a lot about everything. You you can dabble in the mechanical side. You can dabble in the programming, in the electrical. Uh, you really walk out with an excellent skill set that's just all-encompassing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's fantastic. So just lots of great moments and lots of great people. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, like, speaking of, then what does instrumentation mean to you then? <laughs> like, I, I, everybody else has their own definition of instrumentation. Like, I, I, for one, the reason why I enjoy instrumentation is, it's what you said, it's a jack-of-all-trades. We not only dabbled in uh, hardware things, but we also dabble in the software side or dabble in the electronic side. To you, yeah. what's, what does instrumentation mean to you? Instrument this is instrumentation right here. <laughs> um. You know, it's funny when people ask what instrumentation is. I think I think people know more now than they ever did. But people used to be confused when, when you said, you know, I'm I'm doing instrumentation uh, in school. They'd wonder what the heck is that. When I went through the program, and even as I exited the program, to me, instrumentation was all about measurement. Um, I had a very narrow focus. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I had the blinders on, but you don't realize when you're in school how much actually exists outside of school. And, uh, and instrumentation is, you know, it's interesting. ISA, for example, ISA used to stand for the Instrument Society of America. It was all about the end devices. It was about the control devices. It was about the transmitters and the flow meters and the measurement. And, and the name ISA changed years later, years ago now, uh, into the International Society of Automation. So now when I think of instrumentation, I think of automation and everything associated with automation. It's the measurement, it's the data, it's everything being pushed to the cloud. Uh, it's the stuff that feeds machine learning and AI. Um, networks are built around it now. So it's no longer just a transmitter or a flow meter. Instrumentation is now just, it's so much more. It's all encompassing of everything that controls a facility from one end to the other. So, I mean, that's, that's my definition of it. And it's a very vague definition, but it is just such a broad field. Well, yeah, it would make sense because uh, instrumentation is you're measuring multiple fields in a sense. And so by uh, with instrumentation, how did it actually affect your life? Oh, man. Uh, I went from reading uh, mountain bike and dirt bike magazines to reading uh, Bella Liptak's Instrument Engineer's <laughs> Handbook. So uh, I, I <laughs> it affected my life that way. My brake skills decreased and my electrical skills increased. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. The term I think you used was a jack of all trades. Instrumentation really does prepare you for a lot. You are now equipped to deal with little electrical issues on something that breaks, like your washing machine. Oh, yeah. Instrumentation... Uh, allows you to program a thermostat and no longer stare at, well, I'm going to say it, this is going to date me, but, you know, a VCR when we had VHS <laughs> programming. You're not that old. <laughs> and now we program RTUs that control well pads or, or a control system that controls a refinery. Um, so instrumentation really does give you a little bit of a sense of, uh, all-knowing is probably the wrong term, but you become a lot more comfortable in a technical and a complex situation. 
there's there's a method to the madness, and and there's a methodology, or a, a method that you can uh, you can walk through and troubleshoot things with. So it's it's neat. I think the other way that it affected me was uh, was my circle of friends. So oh. ISA in particular, I, I joined that as a student, and I stuck with it all these years. Uh, I've met some great people that I never would have met otherwise, and you don't realize it when you're in school. Yeah. When you're in school, it's it's all about school. It's about passing the next test. It's about getting going in, for getting a year out. After. You, yeah. When you leave school, you might have 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you in the workplace and you know, eight hours a day are going to be spent there. The majority of your life is going to be spent at work. So for me, instrumentation, actually the community, it became where my friends are. And, uh, and it, it's just neat to see how, how life morphs once you're out of school and into the work world. And you're like-minded, you know. Uh, I still enjoy cycling. I still enjoy getting out camping. Uh, but nowadays when I get out camping, it's a bunch of instrument people holding up coffee cups from different <laughs> vendors trying to say who's the best one. So It's it's funny how that is because uh, I feel like instrumentation, well, instrumentation people are like the those those members in those family that always ask for technical problems. So like, oh, my internet's down. Can you ask your son, who's an expert on all computers, to actually fix it? Fix it. That's how yeah. I feel about instrumentation. We get we get picked all over the place just to do deal yeah. with these small little problems. But in, in a sense, it's a big problems. Yeah, it is. You're you're prepared for a lot of problems, and and it really does prepare you to work through a lot of different issues. You get a little a little bit of knowledge on a whole lot of things, and a lot of knowledge on a whole a lot, lot of things. Of as well. things. Yeah, and so. Like speaking of instrumentation, we deal with a lot of technology, right? And so, what does technology mean to you? Or, in a sense, how do you view technology? Oh wow, that's uh, that's a loaded question. So when I came out, I used to tell people that the reason I enjoyed instrumentation so much is that uh, we are working in a big kid's toy box. Mm-hmm. Instrumentation, you really do get to play with a lot of neat technology. Um, you know, you've got military-grade processors getting implemented and, and integrated into the devices that you use. Uh, you've got the data that comes from uh, all of the stuff that we work with now getting pushed into the cloud, getting tied into machine learning and artificial intelligence and predictive maintenance and uh, monitoring and condition monitoring, all these neat things. Technology is just, it's just growing so fast, right? There was a there was a contest a couple years ago. I mean, somebody came out with the equivalent of a tricorder from Star Trek, you know, for analyzing <laughs> uh, sicknesses. Like technology is evolving so fast. Yeah. Uh, and instrumentation and automation, this is the cutting edge. Uh, the International Society of Automation, ISA, it's, its existence is built around technology, right? So it's yeah. just, it's evolving so fast. You look at where we were just 50 years ago, where we were just 20 years ago, where we were five years ago and where we are now and it's just an exponential growth curve it's really exciting i'm really curious to see what happens in the next five years and so with that view is there any reason uh why you you view technology like that why do you view as it uh as a progression rather than it's a a tool to enhance or anything else that's an interesting question um I think a lot of technology is a tool and it is a, a tool that will enhance what you do or how you do it, but technology has become a way of life. I mean, 
take a look at what we're doing right now, for example. We're on a meeting with yeah. dozens of people. Uh, we're conferenced in. Uh, I assume we're live streaming based on what I heard earlier. Yep, we're on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, um, this is now what things are. You know, this this is the way that the world's going. Uh, we interact with technology on a daily basis. Just five, ten years ago, I would go camping and I would relax in a chair and read a book. And now I go camping and uh, I'll be watching the news or YouTube videos on, you know, how to, I don't know, light a fire so that my family doesn't get mad at me or how to cook a squirrel. Um, <laughs> technology is just ingrained in every single thing that we do now. And it's just so much more than a tool now. It's actually a part of life. Uh, you get involved when you come out of instrumentation in the automation field, you realize how much everything that we do is somehow tied to automation now. And that can be the thermostat in your home uh, that might be programming, you know, some new digital toy that you've got, or that might be interfacing to the web and streaming and all these other things. Automation is just, it's a way of life now. It's no longer a tool. It's something that we just sort of expect of ourselves every single day. Yeah, and that's a really interesting topic you touched on, automation. With like this growth, exponential growth of technology, automation goes hand in hand with it. So what does automation personally means to you then? Oh geez, you got all these tough questions. For me. You got to you got to prep me for these. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, the joy of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Automation is 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 a, is a very broad topic. Obviously, yes. Uh, automation means efficiency. It means speed. It means intelligence. It means um, you know the ability to do things to exacting standards. Once you have automation. And, and, and you don't have automation right off the bat. You know, a lot of things, they require inputs. We're not to the state where we have machine learning and AI existing everywhere. I mean, you know, we're on the verge of it, but yeah. We're on the verge of it, but, but there, is, um, there is a manual, a human intervention component right now. And, uh, and once you get beyond that, once you take that and you move that into the automation space, you take that intelligence or you take that piece of the puzzle and you move that into the automation space, be it through programming or providing some goalposts or parameters, automation allows everything to work faster, smarter, without human error, with increased efficiency, potentially around the clock. You know, automation is not just uh, working in a process facility. Automation is working in a facility where they make something and they have robots that are welding pieces together. I had the benefit of going through a Toyota factory a few years ago. And it was incredible to see how the automation is used and employed in building these cars. Um, you know, they're lean manufacturing, there's no waste, but there's also no missed opportunities. Those machines, the automation, the sensors, the mechanical movements, it is measured so precisely. There's never a wasted movement, a, a wasted spin, a wasted joint or a wasted second, right? Every joint bends only as much as it needs to. It's... And, um, it's amazing. Yeah. Like a Japanese philosophy, a lot of Japanese philosophy is efficiency and little waste movements and little waste where it comes to their environment, but also in their engineering, like their 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 trains and their yeah their manufacturing of vehicles. Yeah, I, I really would encourage everybody um, to branch out a little bit and and at the end of this call, sometime in the next week, go and check out you know the Toyota manufacturing system. Toyota really did a great job of, of leaning things out, of no waste, of just the movements that are required. And, and the rest of the world has, has actually 
fall Adult suits in it. Yeah. Like, didn't they make the uh, the the term uh, last minute manufacturing where all of their cars they they only go out when the orders has been received? I don't know if they if they created that term or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, the the process is so. It's so lean. So if you're not familiar with the term lean manufacturing, uh, I highly recommend you check that out. It's really neat. Uh, they literally have suppliers that are within a certain distance of their manufacturing facility. So if I need to build car XYZ, the manufacturer of the components for car XYZ must be within a certain radius. They never have too much on the shelf. They have just the right just amount. Just right enough. It's yeah. constant feed in and out. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that term is bang on. It makes sense. So then, what leads you to believe uh, automation is the way of the future? You know, just the exponential growth curve uh, in, in technology adoption. Uh, you know, in the last in the last six months during this uh, this pandemic, during during the time when the world sort of shut down, mm -hmm. there has been an exponential increase in adoption of technology. I had the privilege of sitting in on, uh, it's called an executive roundtable recently with some folks from other large companies, some multi-billion dollar companies and some very small niche market companies. And uh, we were working with a large technology provider to dive into this, this particular topic. And uh, what they found is that the adoption of technology and the digitization of companies was increased so rapidly that five-year plans were accomplished in three months. Holy! And, and I mean that like that rings true for our company as well. Uh, you know, we're a couple hundred people. Uh, we're not small. We're not a massive, you know, multi-thousand-person company. Um, but uh, but we saw things that we planned on over five years come to fruition in mm -hmm. months. That would make that's a pretty amazing because like even though it's such a restrictive time in a sense, uh, it technology did supplement the needs of other people. We need to supplement more needs, so technology grew based on the, those needs. Yeah, absolutely, it grew and it was adopted. That's that's one of the interesting things is uh, is technology and a lot of the technology has existed for a long time, uh, but it's not adopted and it's yeah. that adoption that's key. It's the willingness to, to participate and to learn and to use it and to embrace it. That's, that's really what the difference was. And so how did it affect your life then automation? <laughs> I've been on zoom calls for six months. <laughs> um, how did the, uh, how did the most recent stuff affect my life or how is automation or, and technology? In general? I think more of how does automation actually affected your life? You know, I, uh, I did not know what I was going to do when I was a kid. You know, I was going to be an astronaut. I was going to be a fighter pilot because uh, who doesn't want to fly jets? Mm -hmm. I was going to be a firefighter. I was going to be a police officer. Uh, I was going to be a veterinarian. I was going to be all these things. And I, I never had any idea that I would go into a program called instrumentation. I had no idea. I didn't know what it was. Uh, and then I got into it and I loved it. I loved the technology. I loved the learning. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was the guy who would spend all of his time on a mountain bike, literally all of his time on a mountain bike, all my free time was in the mountains, riding through trails. And, uh, and after the program, your, your eyes are just so opened up to what's out there. You know, if you go into a program, 
uh, and let's say that I, I wanted to go into a culinary program, I know that I'm going to come out and I'm going to work in a kitchen and I want to work my way up to becoming uh, the chef. chef. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and other programs, you know, you're going to go and you're going to focus on this stuff. But when you get out of a program like instrumentation, if you're doing the engineering technology program or you're doing the technician route, when you get out of that program, you just have so many opportunities. Your eyes are just opened up. You can go to work for, in Alberta in particular, we have a lot of energy companies. And you can go to work for an energy company working in oil and gas. Mm-hmm. You can go to work for midstream companies that are transporting it uh, or that are refining it in some way, shape or form. You can go to work in the renewables industry because of the knowledge that you have and you might be working for someone like that. Or you could go to work at a French fry plant or an ice cream plant. Uh, and then in addition to all of those things, you could go to work for an engineering firm or you could go to work at a vendor and supply stuff. I said I would never work for a sales company. <laughs> never, never gonna work for a sales company. And, uh, and here I am 20 years later, but it's so much fun because we get to play with toys every day. It's always changing, it's always evolving, right? So when you come out of a program like this, uh, automation in general, your, your eyes are opened up and hopefully, hopefully you've removed the blinders and realized how many places you can go and how many things you can see and do. Uh, it really is just limitless possibilities uh, if you're looking, so. So then with uh, automation, how does the ISA fit in in, uh, in automation then? I mean, yeah, it's in their name, but what is ISA? <laughs> so, um, so I mentioned earlier, ISA was once called the Instrument Society of America, yeah. and and it was all about instrumentation, and that that's grown over the years. ISA now has fourteen thousand uh, members worldwide, and it really is an international community. Uh, we've got districts around the world, fourteen of them. Uh, Edmonton is part of District Ten, and. Um, and it's just this massive community around the world. So it needed to change, but, but it was no longer just about measurement as, as you get involved in the instrument world, the instrumentation world, or what was once known as instrumentation, you start to get pulled into other areas as well. You start to get involved in programming maybe, uh, in automation of a facility, in the PLCs or the distributed control systems that are controlling stuff. That's not necessarily an instrument, right? That's automation. So, so ISA changed its name to the International Society of Automation, and um, and it's really, it's 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 an all-encompassing uh, organization run by volunteers around the world uh, that want to see automation progress, that want to see standards for automation, that want to see development of automation professionals. Um, you know, ISA is involved in all kinds of standards, some on their own some in conjunction with other standards organizations like ANSI, for example. And these standards are, are far reaching. They may be standards that are related to wireless technology or standards that are related to cybersecurity yeah. or standards that are related to the face-to-face dimensions of a valve between the flanges. So wow. it's, it's just so all encompassing. Now, automation is, is really the term that makes sense versus you know what was once instrumentation. Yeah, that would make sense. And so what is your role in the ISA community? Um, I, I provide the entertainment. <laughs> uh, there's some folks from ISA Edmonton on here and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty entertaining. I got great <laughs> knock-knock jokes. Um, yeah, nobody's laughing. If you think that's funny, you can do the clap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you, Nanda. I appreciate that. That's some support there. Awesome. And oh, there we go, Minel. Thank you. 
Oh, look at this. You see this, Ruben? Yeah, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Look at all these. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> so, in uh, in ISA, uh, I've had a couple different roles. When I came out of school, uh, I joined ISA as a member, and I went to the networking events. I wanted to go and I wanted to meet people. I wanted to network and and shake hands and learn what's going on and just see what's out there in the industry. And uh, a couple years later, I got recruited into one of the board meetings and I joined the ISA Edmonton board as a member at large, which means I'm showing up to the meetings and I'm kind of sitting there and I'm not supposed to talk, but as you're, you can tell, I talk You're participating anyway. in a sense. Yeah. And, um, and then so there, from there it evolved. I became the professional development director for the Edmonton section. So bringing courses and learning to the membership here, we have uh, several hundred members in the area. Uh, and then I got uh, recruited onto the executive board. So then you work your way through, uh, you know, you do the vice president thing, the treasurer, vice president, uh, uh, president stuff. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. Had a lot of fun. It's a great learning experience. If you've never uh, run a business or looked at spreadsheets with numbers and budgets, you know, you get into a treasurer position, you can learn how these things work. Uh, it's a great leadership opportunity when you get into the executive as the vice president and the president role you get to lead a team of volunteers that are responsible for that area. Uh, as the president, uh, my focus, every president has a focus. Mine was on students. So I've always been really, uh, really passionate about engaging students. And that's when we kicked off our, uh, our Edmonton section mentorship program. And, um, and after that, uh, I just kind of hung around the board and, and poked and prodded a bit once in a while. Uh, I'd show up for meetings and voice my opinions of which there are many. And, uh, and then most recently, um, I'm going to be moving into the District 10 Vice President role in oh. January. So what that means is uh, Edmonton and Calgary and then a variety of different states and, uh, and provinces that form District 10. Yeah. So, so come January, uh, I'll be working with all of those sections in District 10, basically, you know, the west coast of North America, all the way up to Alaska. Uh, just trying to make sure that ISA is bringing value to the members of ISA, that automation community and everybody here that's going to be out in the work world, you know, hopefully is going to be an ISA member and going to be working with, with all of those sections to make sure that they're aligned with the ISA goal worldwide uh, and sort of what the vision is and, and making sure that everybody knows a little bit more at the end of the day. So, so uh, this might be an interesting one, but why did you partake in ISA? I needed a job <laughs> like everybody do but yeah yeah, um, yeah I mean you could like le you could have le left it out right after school but it seems like you you continue on so why did you partake in the community it's a great question uh, so originally when I was in school I looked at this as an opportunity to network with people uh, yeah. to one day find employment I joined ISA a year before I graduated, a year, year and a half before I graduated and, and started to get involved in the student section. Um, all kidding aside, it was because I wanted to learn more. I did not want to be the same as every other person that came out of school. I wanted to know a little bit more. I wanted to offer a little bit more value personally when I came out. And I wanted to be, you know, that person that just had a little bit more on the resume at the end of the day. I also wanted to meet people. And, uh, and networking is such a huge component when you're getting out. And it's not work, it's not networking just to get a job. It's networking to meet people that will become friends. It's, it's networking to be around people that can help you one day, maybe people that you can help. 
you'll meet mentors. You'll meet people that you can mentor. Um, you know, it, it really became just a great place. Uh, one, of, one of the people that I consider a mentor to me in the automation, the instrumentation, and the measurement world, I met through ISA. Uh, this was a person uh, at, at a very large oil and gas producer in Alberta, a person that I never would have had the chance to interact with otherwise. And, and I looked up to this person, both for his intelligence, uh, you know, but also his charm and wit, if he <laughs> happens to see this. Um, you know, and it was, it was that networking that allowed me to do that. And we're friends now. And I need to bounce ideas off someone with some, uh, some insights and some great experience. He has decades more experience than I do. You know? and, and so it became an opportunity to network and meet people and learn things. Why did I stick with it? I, I think it's an opportunity to give back. You know, now 20 years in, I know lots of people. Uh, many of my colleagues know lots of people. Now we can visit and we can chat outside of ISA, but it also gives us an opportunity to give back to industry, whether that's through things like standards development or learning or working with students, you know, uh, mentoring students, mentoring other people within the, uh, the, the community of ISA locally. Maybe it's board members looking for opportunities to learn other things or skills. It's just a great place to meet people and be a part of a community that's like-minded. So that is interesting. It is it is fascinating that one one issue that I think a lot of science stu science people, science students, or even uh, engineering students or engineering people lack of is uh, connecting with people, connecting with other people. Because you're you're not only just trying to connect with them, you're trying to showcase your your product, you're showcase your your technology, your ideas, and hopefully expand on that so that maybe other people can join in. And it's yeah. it's a shame that uh, not a lot of people actually tries to enhance this skill. And it's really interesting that you as a you yourself actually dove into this skill and tried to expand up upon it rather than just honing in onto the instrumentation side, the engineering side of it. It is. It, you know, I don't think enough people do it. That's it's a great point. Um, networking is something I think that's that's key for everybody, and it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter which aspect of industry you're in. It doesn't matter which industry you're in. Networking is so important. You are going to spend the majority of your life at work, mm -hmm. and you want to enjoy what you do. What you do, you want to enjoy the people that you work with. Um, you know, if I had to give a piece of advice to students, and you mentioned, you know, the sort of the science-minded students, so let's take the stereotypical uh, science-minded person, uh, put them into a large crowd where they don't know anybody. Uh, maybe it's a big ISA Edmonton local section event. Uh, you'll often see people sit there quietly, you know, yeah. uh, hands uh, in the lap and head down just listening. And or stick smile. against the walls, call them wallflowers. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm telling you right now, don't do that. Be outgoing. And, and outgoing can be difficult. Um, people, you know, there are introverted people. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly introverted. I like to be alone. I'd love to live on the side of a mountain and talk to nobody sometimes. Um, but, uh, but get out and about. You know, be the person that breaks away from your group of friends. Be the person that breaks away and look for other people to talk to. Look for ISA Edmonton board members at an event. And go and say hi you know what my name is Irvin and I would really like to just tag along with you for the night you know be prepared to network I, I don't know how many times over the last two decades that 
I've seen people that are new, let's call them, you know, fresh faces to the community. Yeah. They come in and they stand there and they, they will talk to you and introduce themselves and things are going really well. And then you can see the nervous struggle with the yeah, nervousness behind this. Yeah. You know, oh, what do I say? What do I ask? What do I do? You know, it doesn't hurt to actually come up with a bit of a script or a list of questions before going to an event where you're going to have the opportunity to meet uh, potential uh, colleagues one day, work acquaintances, maybe your future boss. Mm-hmm. You know, I carry a very tiny notebook with me everywhere I go. It's as, as thick as a passport and about the same size. And I keep notes in there all the time. I don't go anywhere without that notebook. And, uh, and I keep questions in there before an event, things that I might want to have answered. If I meet the right person, these are the questions I want to ask. There's no harm in pulling it out and saying, you know what, I made a note and I wanted to talk to somebody about this and you look like the right person to talk to. So so networking is just so important and, and ISA is actually a great place to do it. Get out and meet people from a variety of industries that are local, that have gone through programs just like this, just like the Nate program, you know, and just break out of your shell and uh, and get away, get away from that that pack mentality. Don't attach yourself to a friend. Don't don't all stand there side by side by side by side. <laughs> go after one person. Get away from them. Go be on your own. Go go meet new people. So, uh, so then, what does uh, ISA personally means to you? Then, you know, for me, it really is just sort of a. It's a it's a fantastic community, um, and, and for me, it's it's a community that we get to give back to industry. The industry has employed me. It's provided the livelihood for my family. You know, this process and process control industry, uh, every time somebody purchases a device from uh, the company that I'm a part of, that's going to help put food on the table for my family. You go to work at a facility that manufactures something or or uh, that outputs uh, Canadian energy, be it oil and gas, or you work at a facility that makes ice cream. Every time somebody uses one of those products, you know, they're supporting you and your livelihood. This is a way of giving back to that industry. This is a way of helping to create standards that make that industry more efficient, that make that plant more efficient, that make that plant have a greater return on investment so they can employ more people. Um, I, I just enjoy it because ISA allows me to give back to industry. And, and it sounds funny, you know, when I came out of school, if somebody would have said, join ISA so that you can give back, I would have looked at them and said, what? That's a weird idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But, but now um, it really is. I, I think a lot of us enjoy the people that we get to work with. I think a lot of us enjoy trying to bring value to other members of this ISA community uh, to increase the knowledge of everybody around us by bringing programs and, and, uh, and seminars and conferences in. We have a virtual ISA uh, automation expo and conference coming up in, uh, in the not too distant future here. It went virtual this year because we couldn't do it in person like we normally do. But uh, we enjoy this stuff and we're all volunteers. So it's always about giving back. So I really, I really enjoy giving back. And to me, that's what it means. I get to give back to the industry uh, that, that keeps me employed, which is, it, it's just a good thing to do. And it sounds a little bit corny, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, so speaking of giving back then, uh, I have some student questions that I got from before, uh, during the registration and here's some really nice questions that maybe you would recognize or maybe not you would recognize so uh, 
Oh, here's an interesting one. Can you recommend a good book that will improve your career? Yeah, you know what? I I am a book fanatic. Um, actually, there's some people on this call that have recently received books from me. <laughs> I love to order books, and I love to send books to people. And uh, and it's yeah, that's funny. Jeez, which one would I recommend the most of? Uh, probably flow measurement second edition. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I can, you know I can attest to the four term semester people will probably detest that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not the book I'd recommend. But I'm actually looking at it on my shelf over here. I've got you know flow measurement second edition. I've got the instrument engineer's handbook. I have process measurement and control. Um, but one of the book. I mean, you know, I'm going to grab the book. Let me, Go let ahead. me grab it here. Go ahead. Two seconds. One, so I'm still here. Uh, you guys are going to be very impressed by this book. This is great. <sighs> Swedgelock Tube Fitters Manual. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, this book. This is an interesting book. It's called Extreme Ownership. Uh, it's how uh, how U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. Now, the book does go into some detail that is related specifically to some. Uh, war war related themes yeah uh, that's so it, it, your thing you know steer clear but uh, I found that this book was one of the greatest books that I've ever read just thanks to some of the principles that it that it addresses these are things that you can use in everyday life as a member of any team every day and, and whether or not you want to read about Navy seals uh, in a combat situation it doesn't matter it talks so much about teamwork and it talks about great leadership and everybody is a leader and that's what you don't realize when you come out of school your first day on the job you can be a leader and 20 years in you may be an executive officer at a company you're also a leader then and in the middle as you're working your way up from that junior automation or instrumentation person you can be a leader you can be a leader to others around you you can be a leader to peers you can be a leader to teams or subcommittees that you're a part of. You can be a leader with organizations like ISA that you might choose to volunteer with. So this book right here is, is one of the greatest books that I've ever read. And I've read a lot of really great books. Uh, I've also read a lot of really bad books. Just because there's a book on it doesn't mean it's good and doesn't mean they're qualified to write it. But, but <laughs> you got to go through book. a lot of crap to find the good ones. You do. Yeah. yeah. This is a good book. though. I, I would recommend that one. And uh, and I just recently sent out several copies of this to some people that are on this line right now, and I hope they appreciate it and read it and enjoy it. So, <laughs> well, speaking of leadership, then, uh, what is the best piece of leadership advice you can give to student like us or young graduates that's coming up? Wow, I'm going to give you the piece of advice that I wish I would have followed: um, two ears, one mouth. Shut up and listen. Yeah, you know. For way too long and to this day I am very opinionated I like to speak my piece I like to share my mind I like to talk I really do and I'm very opinionated and I mean my opinions are always right that's <laughs> how opinions work right? that could be debatable but yeah 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 exactly and it is debatable yeah um, when you talk too much when you share too much you know people tend to tune you out some of the most powerful speakers are the ones that don't speak at all. And then all of a sudden they say something and every head in the room turns. 
because they sit there and they listen and they process. And, and this is a personal development moment for me as well. Um, I love to talk, as you can tell. Mm -hmm. But uh, two ears, one mouth. In any situation, the best conversationalist that you'll ever meet is, is the one who's talking, you know, a fraction of the time. So, so sit there and listen. Seek to understand. That's, a, that's out of another book. Seek to understand. Uh, try to get where people are coming from and understand them. Don't, don't listen to respond. Listen to hear what they're saying and understand. You know, that's the biggest thing. So two ears, one mouth. If you walk away from any piece of advice, take that one. Because when you come out of school, you're going to think you know it all and you really don't. And 20 years later, you're going to think you know it all and you still really don't. So Yeah. Uh, I think one advice that my, uh, I, well, my dad actually taught me this is that uh, a leader compromised by what he listens to. Absolutely. That's, that's a and, great comment. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that can resonate. That resonates with a lot of people if they think yeah. about it. Yeah. Especially at this time. Yeah. You need, you need to make compromises to actually push yeah. forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I have another question from the crowd. It says, uh, is it difficult to get a job in instrumentation field at the movement due to the low price uh, low price of oil i i think right now i would be sugarcoating it if i said uh it's easy to get a job anywhere and it's not just due to the low price of oil uh you know we've seen a worldwide pandemic um we have we have a lot of people in alberta the numbers that i heard this morning were about a million people on serb um, we have companies that are taking advantage of the wage subsidies that the government has put in place to help that stave off the potential for layoffs. Yeah, stay afloat. Um, yeah, so it's it's really not just about oil and gas right now. Uh, oil and gas does play a huge part in the Alberta economy. It is a massive driver. Uh, it it provides hundreds of thousands of jobs that are both direct and indirect. Uh, and it is very important, and I, and I think it's key to note here, and I, I am a huge proponent of Canadian energy. I think we do a great job. We have some of the best environmental regulations uh, in the world, our companies are environmental stewards. Uh, nothing, nothing that happens here can be duplicated anywhere else in the world. We do a really great job of it. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, with the oil prices where they're at, with the economy where it's at, with the exchange rate where it's at, with the uncertainty in the economy due to upcoming elections, oh, you yeah. know, on both sides of the border, mm -hmm. uh, and then with the the pandemic uh, and all of these things, they have added up and they've made it a difficult. Uh, they made it a difficult environment. Now that said, don't give up. You know, I was chatting with someone recently, uh, very proud of this individual. You know, he, he was working in retail while he was looking to land his job coming out of school. So he worked in retail and worked in retail and worked in retail. And he landed a job in the engineering department of a process fabricator. And uh, I still haven't had a chance to speak with this individual personally. We communicated uh, just via messages, but um, you know, he didn't give up and he kept digging and digging and digging and digging. And he's going to be moving down to Calgary to do this job, but good for him. He's remained flexible and he's going to get in with a great company and, uh, and, and he did it. So there are jobs out there, mm -hmm. uh, but, but it, it might take a bit more patience than it would have a couple of years ago. So don't get down. Hmm. So uh, how long did you find a work in rel uh, related to instrumentation after you graduated? 
I was um, I was fortunate. So when I was in school, I worked and worked and worked and worked to get myself a summer job that was in the field related to instrumentation. I didn't want to work a job that was unrelated because I wanted to have a little bit of experience when I came out. So when I when I was uh, in my second year, actually through ISA, through the ISA community, I was actually offered a job down in the United States uh, working for a company that uh, is a massive power company, a power generation company that spans several states, uh, right down along the coast and then all the way down into Texas. That was through ISA. That was through contacts and connections in ISA. So I really, I took the networking thing to heart and reached out everywhere and anywhere that I could. And it was exciting um, at the time. You know, I actually got flown down mm -hmm. to the United States. I got to interview and be a part of that process, again, because of contacts that I met through ISA. The job was offered to me, and unfortunately, 9-11 yeah, uh, occurred. Yeah. And, yeah, and so that, uh, that, that kiboshed the, uh, the visa process for me, and I ended up staying in Canada, which I'm grateful for. I've, I've got a fantastic group of friends and family here and love the company that I'm with. Uh, so I was fortunate. I found one pretty quickly after. Uh, but again, that was 20 years ago. And I know I, know I don't look like I've aged a day. <laughs> you know, but, uh, don't look at the gray hairs here. But uh, I mean, your hair is still fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, yeah, so I was fortunate. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I would encourage you to, to start networking as soon as you can. Start meeting people. You will meet people who know people and, and who know people and who know people. And they may or may not help you, but it's certainly not going to hurt to meet more people before you graduate. Uh, a few more questions. Uh, how can an ex existing ISA member and, IS and ISA as an organization do more to support students and young members of automation workforce? That's a great question. Um, so ISA, uh, the, the big ISA, the international ISA, mm -hmm. Uh, has recently put into place a young professionals program where they're actually engaging young professionals specifically to address that question. So that is uh, that is at the forefront. That's right there and and uh, on the mind of of folks that are volunteering. Folks from the Edmonton section and folks from other sections around the world are volunteering to be a part of this little task force, this young professionals group. So if you're interested, uh, you know, I, I highly encourage you to try to get involved in ISA. At a local level, um, you know, we try to put on, I guess, sessions where you can learn, uh, you know, information sessions, sessions that are specific maybe to technologies. Uh, you're always invited to come to the ISA meetings. You're invited to sit in the ISA board meetings as well as the technical meetings so that you can meet people, you can be a part of the board. And we have student members that have done that for years and those student members continue on and they're with the board today. Um, we, uh, we do have the mentorship program, which can be applied for. We don't have enough mentors uh, to account for all of the applicants. Uh, so there is a bit of a process there. We do have some scholarships available as well, both through the international ISA organization, as well as through the local section. But one of the things that um, is, is key here is that we encourage everybody who's a student member to become a regular member after. Uh, a lot of people see value as a student in meeting people, and then once they've graduated, they tend to disappear. Mm -hmm. And um, and if you were to remain, you'd be able to help foster that student connection and that student focus in the future. When you come right out of school, if you're an ISA member next year after you've graduated, school is fresh on your mind and you know a lot more about 
what's in the mind of a student now than I do because I'm 20 years out of the system, right? So, yeah. so I, I would really encourage people uh, if they're interested in it, check into the Young Professionals Program, but also get involved yourselves. Get involved and, and help to make change and, and uh, help to create more support and more opportunities for ISA and students to engage. Uh, that's actually pretty great. There's That's actually really nice and encouraging that ISA members are actually trying to reach out for us. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a fantastic little community that's been started there. Uh, it's a sub community, a subcommittee, uh, as as a part of one of the larger, uh, I guess, sections of ISA. And uh, I think they're going to do fantastic things. I'm really excited to see what they what they come up with. So, and it, and they do need the input from young professionals. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so now. I think this is a good time to open up the uh, chat or microphones and see if anybody from our audience, if they want to ask a question to either me or Blaine, uh, anything about the ISA, the instrumentation, or uh, anything in general. That's a, that's an easy one. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a great way to. Uh, hopefully encourage people to open and try to speak up. And feel free to use the chat text box there. Yep. Uh, while that's happening, I think I have one more question. Oh, here, here you go. What are the best certification for instrumentation grads? Ooh, um, that's a good question. So the best certification, I mean, when you're an instrumentation graduate, you've graduated from an excellent program and, uh, and you are an instrumentation engineering technologist or you are an instrumentation technician, depending on the route that you went. Those, those in themselves are excellent. Uh, I would encourage you to become a part of ISA and, and meet people. There is a program through ISA called CAP, which is a certified automation professional. Uh, and, and that signifies to people around the world that you know what you're doing. Um, I would also encourage you to apply to something like the, uh, the Alberta Society of, is it still called the Alberta Society of Engineering Technologists asset? Uh, you know, that's where you get your CET from. Yeah, it's, and, still, uh, yeah, it's still Alberta Society. Yeah, I, all these acronyms nowadays, I don't know where they're at anymore. I still call, <laughs> call things by the old names, but uh, uh, that's a fantastic one as well. That shows that you know you've 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 not only excelled and, and graduated your your technology program, but it also shows that you know you've considered implications of what you do and, and you take it seriously and, and even include something like an ethics exam. So so I would encourage uh, joining stuff like that as well. Oh, here's another one. Uh, does I say offer any courses for continuing education after grad or while working? ISA has a, a variety of courses uh, for continuing education and while working. Uh, ISA is currently redoing some of the, uh, the programming. So some of that programming is going to be moving to a more modern platform and online. Uh, ISA has always been a great place to be able to, to learn from. They've always put out some great courses and content. Uh, but, uh, but right now, a lot of that stuff is, is being shifted to sort of new platforms. So we're actually in transition right now. But one of the other places that you can watch is the local ISA Edmonton section. There are technical evenings that take place you know, on a monthly basis, uh, primarily throughout the 
fall, winter, and into the spring. And that's an opportunity to learn as well. Learn and network at the same time. Uh, ISA Edmonton also brings courses to the section. So there are opportunities to take courses here. And then ISA Edmonton sponsoring members, companies uh, that are involved in ISA, companies that are, are, are sponsoring the section or just involved in general, they also offer courses that you can take. And those courses could be anything from, you know, courses specific to maybe an analyzer or it could be programming related. Uh, or it could be courses on how to do proper calibrations. So there's lots of opportunity to learn uh, and, and you just need to connect with that ISA community to find out what exists and what's out there for you. Uh, and to, just to go back, um, uh, one of my colleagues, Alan mentioned as well, if you do the instrumentation program, there is an opportunity for you to, uh, to go forward and do a, a journeyman, uh, journey person certificate yeah. as well. Um, and, and in some industries, that's a benefit and in others, uh, it may not be, but I'm all for more learning rather than less. So, you know, keep learning, 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 learning. Lifelong learning is just so important nowadays. We're always learning in life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's another one. Uh, what are the best skills to learn, such as programming languages, for a career in automation? Oh, wow. That is crazy. Um you know, we could get into talks about programming languages and learning how to do stuff with IEC, yeah. you know, 61131, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it really depends on where you want to go. Uh, if you want to go and you want to work in a facility that has a DCS system, that DCS system is going to be very specific to one particular vendor or manufacturer. Programming that DCS system will not be the same as programming the system around the block. So it's two very distinct skill sets, not necessarily involving the use of a programming language. You may go to work for a company that produces natural gas or oil and they're an upstream producer. So they have a bunch of programming that's required at the wellhead, way upstream. And they're programming RTUs, remote terminal unit, units or flow computers. Um, that programming again, is very different, again, from, from the other stuff. So I would... Uh, I would be doing you a disservice if I said that one programming language is more important or better than another. It depends where you want to go. If you want to go and you want to work on PLCs, you need to get to learn PLC-based uh, things. And you need to learn which PLCs you want to work on and, and how to program those ones specifically. Uh, or learn it all. If you can find a way to learn it all, I mean, you'll be the master of everything. That well, would be awesome. As a programmer myself, uh, what I recommend to any people who want to delve into programming or who want to try to learn programming is learn the fundamentals of programming. Uh, what I notice I can harp on every single programmer engineer out there is that if you learn the fundamentals of programming, every single, all the fundamentals are translated into every single language you can learn from C to C sharp to Pascal to Python from basic to assembly or even ladder logic uh, if you learn the fundamentals from from Java or Python then that's translatable to every single language you learn out there all you need to learn is just the syntax yeah keep learning lots of opportunity yeah and it's and it's changing every single day yeah. next week there will be something new so there's always a new language that's coming up like yeah uh, there's one question from Mino asking being part of w being ooh, being part of one of the employer teams in instrumentation what do you think employers look for in young professional and students like us and I myself 
registered uh, for AP EGA, but not sure I know enough about it. Could you shed some light about it and uh, how can I benefit off of AP GA? So um, a PEGA is is something that you'll you'll need to be a, a, a professional engineer in the province of Alberta. A PEGA is the the engineering board and organization here in Alberta. And uh, and if you look at uh, Nate, for example, the Instrument Engineering Technology Program, when you come out, uh, you would apply for ASSET, right? The yeah. Society of Engineering Technologists. So um, those are, are sort of governing boards. If you're going to be a you know licensed professional engineer, you you want to be able to stamp drawings. Uh, APEGA is the governing board that allows you to do that. Now, in addition to being the governing board that allows you to do that, that you need to be registered with, they also offer a community. It's different than ISA because they're a governing board, but it's a community of engineers and people that are practicing engineering. So there are events and networking opportunities there as well, and it. The, you know, the ISA group and the APEGA group, these are not exclusive of one another. These are inclusive. We have many APEGA members that are ISA members. And vice versa. And we have many asset members that are ISA members. If you're yeah. an engineering technologist uh, from an instrumentation program and you wanted to get your CET, you would do that through, uh, you know, asset, for example. So, so these two organizations, they offer networking opportunities. They offer accreditation. ISA is more of a, think of it more as a, a standards development body, a professional development body, and a networking body. Um, you know, it's, it's about bringing value to the automation community as opposed to regulating the community. Mm -hmm. So not mutually, they're not exclusive at all. They really are uh, complementary to one another. Inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's another one. Uh, are there any ISA members from other engineering disciplines like electrical or mechanical? Absolutely. Tons. Yeah. Um, so instrumentation, th this, the program that you're in at Nate, as an example, instrumentation is a Nate program. Instrumentation is a SATE program. There are many technical colleges that offer, you know, in the United States, for example, associates degrees, uh, similar to what we would call a diploma. They do not have instrumentation programs. They have electrical programs where they learn about automation or instrumentation. Uh, there will be lots of people that are potentially chemical engineers or chemical engineering technologists or the equivalent that are involved in automation and instrumentation. Uh, I would say electrical is probably one of the biggest crossovers because you know, electrical is very uh, commonly associated with process control. Yeah. Uh, you know, resistance and capacitance and circuits are very similar to a, a process itself when you're looking at volumes and capacities and flow uh, and all of these other process variables. So uh, absolutely, there are members of ISA from all disciplines. Uh, I know a member that's a civil engineer that's a member of ISA. So uh, it's, it's very inclusive of all disciplines. I think uh, this is good. Any final words or comments? to the crowd? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that I can say is get involved and stay involved. Um, ISA has been great for me. I, I've really met some fantastic friends uh, and people that I would consider uh, folks that I could call at any time when I need help, when I have trouble technically, uh, or I just want to go out and have a coffee. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a great place to bounce ideas off of like-minded individuals it's a great place to learn. 
what I see in a day is going to be much different than what other people see in a day. Um, I love bouncing ideas off of people. I learn a lot from the people that I get to work with and volunteer with at ISA. Uh, you'll see Arthur on the line here and Alan on the line. Arthur is our current ISA president and uh, Alan is our current vice president. Uh, you'll see, uh, you know, Anna, uh, I guess, I don't know what you call the teachers now, Dr. Anna. <laughs> Teacher, uh, we, just call her, Anna. we just call her Anna or... <laughs> Every single person uh, that I get to interact with at ISA brings a different perspective and a different opportunity to learn. Uh, and, and every single interaction is just, it's just something new. So get involved with ISA. And when you're done school, stay involved with ISA because, because you are going to be the next generation that helps to, to produce standards and move technology forward and automation forward. Uh, as as the old people like me start to get phased out, we need all of this young wisdom and energy. So so get involved and stay involved and, and network and meet people and learn as much as you can. Well, thanks, Blaine, for actually taking your time to do this podcast. That was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. I uh, had a good time. Sorry I talked so much. Oh, I think this is great. Uh one of the things I discuss a lot with other people is it is hard to get somebody talking, but it's nice to meet people who would say yes and more. <laughs> <laughs> no issues with that. Yeah. Like I said, I, I was excited. I dressed up for the occasion and uh, yeah, really, really happy and, uh, and glad I could be here. And thank you very much for the invite. Oh, well, thank you actually to making, actually making this event possible for us. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and that's everything about the, the ISEA. This is just the first episode. Hopefully, uh, a couple months later, we get a new member from the ISA to join us and we can discuss what she, he or she's doing in her field and in her community of ISA. So I'm Urban Hernandez, and I hope to see you next time. Bye. With pants on. See you oh, guys later. Oh, no. <laughs>